Hi, my name's Kramer, and I am proud to admit that I am a mama's boy. You're not just any mama's boy. You're a certified mama's boy. And this is the Certified Mama's Boy Podcast. I effing hate myself. It's a heavy topic, right? Sounds like it. But I'll tell you, this process that I went through on this unexpected trip to Costa Rica may make you realize that you hate yourself too. But it's fixable. That's the good thing. Everyone's like, I don't know if I want to listen to this episode. (laughs) Hi, welcome to the Certified Mama's Boy podcast. My name is Steve Kramer. Uh, Steven Yancey is my real name. I started this podcast when I got let go from my radio job because when I was going through my divorce, my mom used to send me these really motivational text messages. And one day I posted one on social media and it went viral and people said it really helped them a lot. So I thought, why not start a podcast with her? I got the time, right? So hopefully you enjoy. Uh, you can always, you know, subscribe. Would love that. Leave a review. Would love your honest feedback. And, and this week we're sharing it with a friend. Just share it with one friend. Doesn't have to be this episode, any episode you want. Every single episode though, we start with talking to my mom. Hi, mom. Hi, honey. Um, so we were talking before we came on today. My mom's stressed out because of her inbox. <laughs> and how many emails do you actually have? I have a little over 6,000. <laughs> and that makes you, and she was like, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Um, I have 75,741 emails in my inbox. And when people see that, they freak out. There's like two different types of people. There's people that actually like go through and clear out their inbox. Like, do you go and actually delete emails that you don't want? I do. Well, what I do I, is I go through and, and, and I alphabetize them and then I just sort of highlight them all and just try to get rid of thousands at a time. Oh, yeah. Some people go through and like actually delete every email they don't want. And I'm like, why? Oh, it's so much. That takes so much time. No. So, yeah, that's why I think I've ended up with so many. I actually pay for Gmail. Like I have so <laughs> many e- like, emails that I pay for it because I've run out of space. Like the free one is no longer accessible to me. So yeah. I pay, I think it's, I mean, it's maybe $20 a year or something like that so that I can still have all the storage um, in my Gmail. Mm. I do that for Crazy. Google Photos, but not not for emails. Um, my mom, I remember one time when I went home and she had like three or four different photo services set up. <laughs> remember that? And you were like, I need your help figuring out how to get all my pictures on one because she had started uploading to like Google Photos and Amazon Photos and iCloud and they were kind of like all over the place. And I was like, mom, you can't. Uh, I feel like I need to switch you guys over to like those, um, I forget what they call them, but they were like phones for old people that like have no... <laughs> technology no internet on them you can just call people and text people i see those, those advertised i don't know i see them advertised sometimes on tv you know aarp like has them in their right. magazine yeah. old people sell it's like cell a flip phones. phone yeah there's a name for them though let me see um not a cricket phone but it's a jitterbug jitterbug you gotta get you a jitterbug gotta get some jitterbug going over here mm-hmm. so we can handle it well, here's the, here's the worst part about my emails is I've only read like a thousand of them. Well, maybe <laughs> yeah. not even read them, just opened them, right? I right. mean, that is crazy. So like, I, what, what so, are the last five? I'm just kind of curious, like any emails that you get, what are like your last five emails that are in your inbox right now? One's from Rick. Who's Rick? I don't know. It says, I have a surprise in your mailbox about a strong immune system doesn't just keep you healthy during a pandemic. Yeah. You know, don't. <laughs> and then that. and then here's one of my health newsletters from Dr. Glenn S. Rothfell. Use this to strengthen your memory. 
How much stuff do you buy from these people? I feel like you like buy so much nonsense from the internet, don't no, you? No, I don't because I don't open them. And then there's yeah. Clever, which is a really fun site to look at. It's from Architectural Digest. And um, this one's about a vintage store owner transforming a space. That one's fun. And okay. then and then there's Mindful, the June issue. Mm-hmm. And then there's Premium Outlets. And then there's you. What have you um what have you bought from the internet? Like not Amazon, but like from an email. Oh, um, I've bought clothing mm-hmm. and I've bought supplements. Mm-hmm. That's about it. That's not bad. Not I just bad. worry about you because you're getting to that like that age. That real <laughs> you're like that real fine line now between <laughs> I have a feeling like if you got an email that said like this can cure, you know, and aging. It's a serum. Just buy it. It's five thousand dollars. Like mm, I buy all those things on Amazon. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel a little bit better. Makes it somewhat reputable. Lord. So I, uh, I I was thinking on Thursdays we could do like Throwback Thursday, and. I was thinking about bringing my dad on for that segment. He can like tell stories. Maybe next week. Apparently he's tired today. He doesn't want to be on. Um, But I thought there's one story that we've been talking about wanting to tell. And that's a story that I've always kind of known the premise to, but never really knew the actual story. Mm -hmm. And that was when my mom went to Studio 54. (laughs) Now, let me actually, I don't want to put any type of prejudice on it. So I'm just going to Google Studio 54 (laughs) and read you like the Wikipedia the Wikipedia um, of what they say Studio 54 is, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, Studio 54 is a former nightclub and currently a Broadway theater. It launched at its peak of the disco dancing and, and music trend, and the club became world famous, noted for its celebrity guest, restrictive and subjective entry policies based on appearance and style, and the open club drug use. Look out. 19, <laughs> 1980. <laughs> The club shut down when after its founders were, were uh, convicted of evading taxes and then blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. So the, it has a very not great reputation. I don't even remember how my mom told me this, but she told me that she ended up going to studio 54. Now, if you're an episode 19 of 19, this is going to seem shocking to you because how did my mom ever end up at studio 54 in the first place? So for Throwback Thursday, we'll do my mom's story of going to Studio 54. Okay. So um, about the time that it opened, I was working for Riches as um, a fashion coordinator. And we would go uh, on buying trips. We, meaning the buyers and myself, would go on buying trips to New York once a month. And I had a friend in New York uh, who was also named Nancy who had a very rich boyfriend who really knew his way around. So a group of riches folks and I used to hang out with her. And therefore, he had a membership. I think it was a membership. I don't think you could just walk in to Studio 54. So Nancy would always treat me to Studio 54 because I loved to dance and the music was outstanding outstanding like did you have a hard time getting in because it sounded like they were pretty subjective like what did you wear to studio 54 oh well i mean back then 
Remember, I am a fashion coordinator, right? So yes, of course I looked great. I looked like a cool New Yorker. But and what did you do? You remember what you were? Do you remember like what time of year it was? Was it cold? Was it warm? Well, I mean, we went once a month, so sometimes it was. Oh, cold. you went once a month. Once a month for like a wow. year, like a year wow. maybe, maybe a year. Wow. Yeah. And you're how old? <laughs> well, that would have been in 1977, so it was mid 20s. Lord have mercy. Mm-hmm. Were you married? Yeah. Okay, so you'd already been married. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, okay, so. What was like the wildest thing you remember doing at Studio 54? Like, were you doing drugs? No, I wasn't doing drugs, but I was drinking a lot. Like, we would mm-hmm. stay there till four or five in the morning and Jesus, Mom. and get hardly any sleep, and then be at appointments by eight. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, weird that is to hear your mom tell the story. <laughs> always been 67 okay so cut me some slack <laughs> yes you have in my mind you have been <laughs> do you remember like the craziest I and mean, was everyone else like doing drugs around you I, you know i don't remember that probably yeah. probably yeah and i think the wildest thing that ever happened to me there you know i was so naive oh my god i was always in the wrong places and had no idea that right. i was in the wrong places but I think the wildest thing was there were there was a group of us sitting at a table, you know, some of my richest friends and my friend Nancy and her boyfriend, and we were just having a grand time. And this uh, couple came over and just wanted to join us. And what they wanted was for me to go have a menage a trois with them. Oh, my God. Mom. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did you do it? Well, of course I didn't do oh it. Thank God. But I have to say that one of my friends had to tell me that's what was going on. They're, yeah. they're like, uh, you had like no idea. I think they were no, trying to be friendly with you. I had no idea. <laughs> I mean, they were both Jesus. being really nice to me, and we were dancing, and she was dancing with me. But everybody danced with everybody, right? And then yeah. somebody said, um, "You better watch out. I think they're trying to take you home with them." And I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> Whatever do you 70s mean? are wild, man. This is wild. <laughs> oh, I can't even imagine. It was a wild time. It was a wild time. But really? I lived through it. I lived through yeah. it. And I have some good memories of that. It's just so weird. It's, it's just so weird to think of your mom, anyone's mom, but especially my mom <laughs> going to Studio 54. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I don't well. know if we do these kind of stories for Throwback Thursday anymore. I don't know. I mean, it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> why you can't, say. why you don't you you don't like the idea that your mom used to have fun and go no. out and have fun no well no. you think i've always just been a mom the only story i ever remember that like from you being wild when i was a kid <laughs> did i tell you this story i don't know i just Probably. remember one night i was out uh i was had a babysitter and you came home and you started like throwing up mm. and i was like Mom, and you're mm. like, I'm just sick, and I'm like, mm, now I see it. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. We yeah. used to, we used to party. Your dad and I used to party a lot. I, I see that. We had a good time. Uh, that may be the first and last throwback Thursday that we do. <laughs> could I ever be a parent? You know, of like you're, you I could. mean, your life was pretty tame. I mean, there's so many stories I would never want my kids to know that, like I did. You know. <laughs> That's why I feel like I don't know that I'm cut out to be a parent because I just don't I don't think that my my historical makeup <laughs> is safe enough for a child. 
Because one day they're going to be on a podcast with me and be like, what's the wildest thing you've ever done? I'll be like, ooh. Uh-huh. You have to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. We're all young and then we get older and and every, you know, every decade has its its pleasures. So what's the wildest thing you've done in the past and this decade? Oh, gosh. <laughs> not Not too much. <laughs> no nah. menage a trois with your neighbors at the lake no menage a trois no invitations <laughs> to that no no it i don't think i can't think of anything wild i've done except go to r-rated movies with you <laughs> <laughs> maybe the wildest things i've done have been with you in san diego yeah maybe yeah. so <laughs> all right let's completely change the topic um okay i uh, let's get to your quote for today. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know how we transition into this because we don't. no, we don't. We don't transition. We don't. Sometimes you just have to admit there's no transition. That's one thing I learned in radio over the 13 years. Okay. You know, sometimes there just isn't a transition. You just have to be like, well, this is awkward, but <laughs> okay, <laughs> let transition into some feel good stuff. So one of my emails today, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From, it does pay off. It does. Uh, this particular one is from Krishna Das. He wrote a piece on courage in difficult times. He says, it takes a lot of courage to live in this world at this time. We can't allow the despair that we could fall into to cripple us. Because if that happens, then what? So we have to fight against the despair, against all the things that tend to cripple us and take our hope away. But it's not about the outside world. The world is made up of us, all of us. We have to find that inner strength and the courage to go on and do what we feel we have to do with our lives right now, regardless of how it looks to us out there. That sort of ties in with our conversation yesterday, doesn't it? That we have to do what we feel we need to do with our lives right now in this moment because we don't know what the future holds. So there you have it. It's a really, it's a weird, I know a lot of people are in that weird predicament right now of like, what are you supposed to do? Like, let's Mm -hmm. say that you've been furloughed and now furloughed has got to be a weird position because what does that even mean? Right? Like (laughs) you might come back, but you might not. (laughs) So We'll tell you in, in what three months or whatever if you're going to come back and if you're not, and that's just to me such a weird spot to be in. You know, with yes. my situation, like there's there might be a radio opportunity in San Diego, but there might not be. Right. And so, like, but I, and I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know when things are going to get better to right. where I can like find out more. And so it's like, all right, I, there's just so many things that are so. It does take a lot of courage. I mean, it, it does. Yeah. It does. I mean. You know, with somebody that fights with depression a lot, I mean, this is a really hard time. I know because it is. if you do feel if you do feel stuck, um, it's like how does how does it get better? Remember what Krishna Das says: we have to fight against the despair, against all the things that tend to cripple us and take our hope away. We have to hang on to hope. We have to hope for better days, and we have to hang on to that and guard it. And let's be honest, this is not an ordinary time in any way, shape, or form. Everything oh, yeah. that, that's going wrong in our life right now is exacerbated by the coronavirus. 
Right. I mean, yeah. it's all so amazingly intent. Right. But we have to hold on to hope. Remember that the greatest loss in any crisis, the greatest loss in any crisis is the loss of hope. You have to remain hopeful. We have to remain hopeful. But I really do. I I really do worry for a lot of people. If you're having men, I have a good support system. I am, even though I'm alone, I have a really good support system Mm -hmm. and I, but I've worked to build that. That's not Mm -hmm. something that just came naturally. And right. because I know myself between right. being isolated and going through hard times, um, right. it's, it's been a real, it's been a real struggle. So yeah. what I would recommend, I think I feel the need to say this right now is even if you are alone, you are not alone. That's right. And I know there's a lot of people that have a hard time like speaking that truth and mm-hmm. like to say, Hey, I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I, I, and I did, I think I did too, because I always lean on my ex-wife and then when she wasn't there anymore, I didn't really, I mean, she was like, she was like my, she was my support system. And then when that went away, I was like, oh shit. Um, so over the last two years, I've kind of had to like build a new support system of people that can, you know, check in on me or watch after me. And if I'm not feeling great, I can call my mom, of course, being one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I was, I know there's a lot of people that are like, I hate asking for help. I just hate it. I just feel like it's I'm a burden on people. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt that way at first too when I was first going through my divorce and what I found though, is when I finally just asked people, they were more than willing to open up and support in any way they could. So just from a firsthand experience, don't be scared. You know, don't be scared to ask for help if you need it. Right. Always reach out. There's always someone there that is willing to love you and care for you and be with you no matter what you're going through. Even if it's a hotline, I mean, really, yeah. You know, I actually even, have, I actually have the suicide prevention hotline on my, um, on my, uh, what is it? Favorites up here at the top. So I always have it available. And if you want, uh, their website is suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Phone number is 888-273-8255. And they actually have a chat option on there too. So don't, if you find yourself in a dark spot and I can talk to somebody and if you don't feel like you can talk to somebody, you can. So right. felt like an appropriate time to say that. Yes, that's a good thing always to remember that there's always help out there. Always help. You can just call my mom. <laughs> you can call him. You can call me. They can call you. They can call they can call anyone. Yeah, they can call yeah. anyone. But the important thing is to call and to not right. have any shame around it. There right. is no sure. shame around how you feel. Your feelings are real and they're yours and you need to honor those feelings. Okay. All right. I love you. I love you forever. Hi, Kramer. It's Annie from Imperial Beach, and I have a haunted house story for you. We just recently moved out of a house that we had lived in for about nine years. When we moved in, we knew that the prior owner's husband had passed away in the house, and we knew them. We knew the family, so we were comfortable with that. But we really didn't realize what we were getting into. After we'd been there for a little while, we started getting the typical bumps in the night, cabinets opening and closing by themselves, weird noises in the kitchen, weird noises in the garage. And we all decided just to kind of write it off. And and like I said, we knew what we were getting into. So we just started calling the ghost by the previous owner's name. And that kind of calmed things down a little bit. What was really interesting is we got used to it over the years. 
And last February, the wife passed away. And about a month after she was gone, we didn't have any more experiences. So I'm of the belief that he was looking for her or waiting for her. And once she joined him, everything was okay. So maybe your ghost has some unfinished business or they're waiting for somebody and they've just decided to keep you company for the meantime. So if you knew who they were, maybe just call them by name and maybe that'll make you and them more comfortable. Just a suggestion. Keep up the good work. We love your show. Okay, so you can probably tell by the title of today's episode, it's going to be a little bit heavier of one, but I hope it has like an uplifting message at the end of it. My life is weird. I have a really weird life and weird stuff happens to me. Uh, Sometimes weird bad, sometimes weird good. And I think this is one that just, I fell into a situation not really paying attention to what I was doing and hopefully it changed my life for the better. So it was a couple of weeks after I got let go and my brother said, hey, come down to Costa Rica. Now, my brother is on this weird spiritual journey himself, and he had gotten into this stuff called ayahuasca. Any idea what that is? I don't even know if that's like a normal term. Now, to me, it is. I've heard it so many times. So a very layman's term. And if you're like a pro at this stuff, forgive me. I call it a drug. And every time I call it a drug, my brother's like, it's a root. It's a plant medicine. Um. But it basically makes you somewhat uh, hallucinate in a sense. But these hallucinations are supposed to like give you clarity on your life. So a lot of people swear by it. You can't do it in the U.S. So you usually have to go somewhere else. And Costa Rica is a big place to do it. And so my brother's been going back and forth to these ceremonies and for a while. And I told him, I'm like, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And I don't do drugs anymore. And I'll have to tell you that story another day of why I don't do drugs anymore. Um, but I don't, I don't do, I don't drink. I don't, uh, I don't smoke. I don't do anything anymore. So I just like, listen, I'm not going to do that. He's like, Hey, don't worry about it. I'm about to go back down there and I'm going to stay at my friend's house. He's like, he said that you can stay too. And I'm like, all right. So then I look at flights and they're not bad. If I leave out of LA, which I did, it was like $500 to fly down to Costa Rica round trip. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to treat myself. I don't know why I'm being called to go on this trip, but for some reason I feel which is not like me, within four days, I planned a trip to Costa Rica, and before I knew it, I'm driving up to LAX to uh, get on a flight down to Costa Rica. So again, I hadn't planned out much of this at all, and so my brother said, hey, listen, when you get here, I'll be waiting for you, and I can take you to this house, okay, no big deal. So I get there, and the first thing that I get when I turn my phone on is my brother is a, a voice message from my brother, and he said, "Hey, bro. Um, so listen, um, I hurt my back, and I'm not going to be able to go to pick you up from the airport. But don't worry, I've got two friends that are coming to get you, and they'll pick you up right outside of um, uh, uh, customs, right? Yeah, uh, immigration. Sorry, immigration. And I'm like, who?" Like, that's all I said. And I tried calling him. He wasn't answering. And I, I don't know. Who am I looking for? My two friends? Like, I, I don't know who these friends are. Anyway, so I walk out, and there's like 50 people standing around. And I'm like, I don't know who I'm looking for. And these two strangers come up to me. And they're like, are you Steven? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, come with us. And I'm like, come with us. All right? Now, I'm in a third world country with two strangers I don't even know. And it says, he, they just say, come with us. And I'm like... Well, shit, what else am I going to do? I mean, I'm not going to go back now. (laughs) So, I mean, anxiety level 10 at this point. It takes us like an hour and, I think, hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes. 
And all of a sudden, you guys, I pull up to this house, which is like gigantic. I want you to picture like the bachelor mansion, if you will. Um, I find out, I come to find out this is like a $4 million house that I'm staying at. It's right on the, uh, the beaches of Costa Rica, which like, cause I didn't ask a lot of questions before I even came. Like who the hell is this friend? So this friend of my brother's is a co-owner of this ayahuasca resort. And so I'm like, Oh shit. Like what have I got myself into? And what I didn't know is that he kind of opens his house for anybody to come stay that like wants to stay. And like my brother was going to volunteer at this resort. And there were a couple of people that were going to volunteer or just go and experience the resort. So throughout the week, you know, here I am, uh, I'm just like, ah, this is all, they're all like on, they all love this ayahuasca stuff. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Um, and it didn't pressure me, but I just knew, I just didn't feel like I should do it. Uh, but I enjoyed the week because I just, I mean, there I was in this, you know, beautiful house on this, you know, it had this infinity pool looking over the water. Beautiful. Here we go. Fast forward to the last day of this week long trip that I was at. And the guy that owns his house that also owns this, you know, this um, ayahuasca resort said, hey, um, have you ever tried breath work before? And I'm like, no, I never tried. He's like, my sister is really good at it. Do you want to do a session with her? And I'm like. I ain't doing shit else. Why not? It's not drugs of any kind or you know, plant medicine. So I, let me give it a shot. So here it is, the final day of the trip, and it's time for my breath work session. And I walked into this little den area of the house, and she, uh, she's like, "Okay, I'm gonna, um, you know, got this little yoga mat and put it on the ground." And she like turned some music on. She's like, "I'm gonna go wash my hands before we start." As she left, I had the weirdest premonition, just like this idea popped in my head. It was like, this is about to change your life. And I was like, oh shit. All right. So uh, she comes back in and I, she's like, I want you to lay down this yoga mat. And I just want you to do this breathing pattern with me. And I, to be honest, I don't remember the exact breathing pattern, but it was something as easy as like, um, just like that. And I'm sitting here like, what the hell is this? What kind of weird hippie ass shit is this? But I continue like, and then the weirdest thing I think that I've experienced spiritually has happened, started happening to me where out of nowhere, I got these voices in my head that said, you're not good enough. I mean, it was literally as clear as day. It was just, it was like, this voice is like, like, you're not good enough. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what was that? And then you guys, I swear to God, this doesn't sound crazy. I'm still breathing. I started like visualizing and I didn't try to do this again. I was completely letting, letting go of all control. I started visualizing all these scenes in my life. Like I was seeing them clear as day to where I didn't feel like I was good enough. I mean, from childhood to being bullied, uh, to through high school, um, you know, meeting, even like meeting my wife and like feeling like not good enough, my ex-wife, and feeling like I, I'm not good enough, uh, getting into the radio business and like not feeling good enough. And I start uncontrollably crying, which if you listen to this podcast, you're probably like, <laughs> that could just be episode six. I start uncontrollably, and I can't, I, I'm, I am like out of my own body control at this point. 
because I'm just visualizing all this and all these moments in my life where I felt like I wasn't good enough. And this went on for probably 10, 15 minutes. And I'm just like uncontrollably freaking out. Now, during this time, she's making me do things like, she's like we got to get that energy out of you. We got to get that energy out of you. So I'm just like, she's like screaming. I'm like, ah, ah, like literally like banging my hands, like bang your fist on the ground, like stomp your feet. So I'm, I'm laying this yoga mat. Ah, ah, ah. Kiki's looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Kiki thinks I've lost my mind. I sit in my room and just talk to myself now. Um, okay, so I'm, this is like 15 minutes. And then she's like, okay, I want you to stop and hold your breath for like 30 seconds. So I did. And then we start the breathing pattern again. And then almost, you guys, uncontrollably again, I start getting this other message. And I think she even said, like, I'm going to start downloading you with this other message, which is like, you are good enough. And you are good. And like, like you, like all those times that you never felt like you were good enough have been a complete facade. And I start laughing uncontrollably, like freaking out laughing now. Like, <sighs> but like, I also like, like, ha ha, like, like freaking out laughing because in that one moment, and then probably lasted 20, 30, 40 minutes. I don't maybe an hour. I don't know. I realized that I fucking hate myself. And I have my whole entire life. And I saw exact moments of when I like and again, I didn't go into thinking I want this kind of like breakthrough. But I saw all these individual moments in my life where I felt like I wasn't good enough and how I carry that weight around me. If it is my uh if it's my looks, if it's my body, if it's professionally. And honestly, so then I started going a little deeper with this thought and I realized that's really where Kramer comes from. I mean, that Kramer is the mask that I wore because Kramer is love, man. Like Kramer is a beloved human being. Steven Yancey, no. Steven Yancey wasn't popular growing up. Steven Yancey, I mean, was this fat, awkward kid and... I found this solution to this insecurity of mine, which basically was becoming somebody else. And that person became successful. And that person became uh, became loved and got a lot of attention. I got a hot wife and a cool car. And all this stuff that I thought was going to like make me happy, that I felt like I was missing. Only to get it all and be miserable. It's the first time in my life I realized... I've been like running away from myself. And it really makes you question a lot of things. Like, who is this person? Who is this Kramer? Kramer is my own defense mechanism against myself because I feel like Stephen Yancey can't be loved. And that's heavy. And it's something that I, I, I'm working on. I'm working on like trying to love myself without being Kramer. And this is really the opportunity, you know, to really just show you who I am. Like, go through your day seriously tomorrow or today and try to catch how many times you end up hating yourself. I mean, mine starts first thing in the morning, look in the mirror, I hate my body. Then I, you know, I, I check my email. Oh, I'm not getting, uh, I'm not getting emails for work. I must, I must suck. You know, it's, then you, maybe you go and you put on a face of makeup because you hate your face. And then you're posting pictures of yourself, you know, dolled up. Or, uh, you know, Facetuned or whatever. 
just seriously, try to catch it. Try to catch yourself. How many times a day do you go through the day hating yourself? It's like, it's, it's going to be a lot. But I don't want that to be a bad thing because for me, it's not. You know, for me, it's like recognizing how much I'm hating myself. Like how many times? And then changing that thought pattern. When I see myself in there, am I really that fat? No. I'm just, I, I was taught to hate my body because everyone else around them, they found it easier instead of hating themselves to hate on somebody else. And then I pick up that hate, right? We're just fucking constantly taught not to like ourselves. So I'm going to give you the website that she gave me afterwards. Uh, transformationalbreath.com. B-R-E-A-T-H. Transformationalbreath.com. And I'll link to it in the bottom. I fucking hate myself. But I'm working really hard now to fall back in love with the real me. Okay, let's get you some good news from the coronavirus, shall we? And if you ever see a story, you can always send it to me. Um, I try to do some research, but, you know, you can always help me out. I'm that guy Kramer on Instagram. So uh, Lego is now producing these thousands of protective plastic face masks for the medical workers. According to this Instagram post they put up this week, uh, they said that the company's Denmark factories has now reworked their machines to make more than 13,000 plastic masks per day. The mask will reportedly be distributed to hospitals and medical facilities across the country. I mean, because they're probably not making as many Legos now, right? So I think that's cool they stepped up to do that. And this is a cool story out of Tampa. Um, I used to live in Tampa, and I know we have a few people listening to the podcast. Dats is this, I think it's like a breakfast-only place. I've only had breakfast there. Uh, but it's a big restaurant in Tampa, right? They've been struggling, obviously, because things have just been crappy. And uh, I think they said they laid off. They went from 400 employees to just 27. So that's a lot of people, man. They're still just like struggling, struggling, struggling. Well, they have this bottle of bourbon that's worth a lot of money. It's an old Rip Van Winkle bourbon. It's 25 years old. And um, so the owner Googled the price of it. Like, let me just see if I can, I can sell this thing. And this, the prices were going anywhere between like $17,000 and $26,000 online, right? So he was like, let me put it up there for $20,000 and see if anything comes from it. They're getting all these lowball offers, people trying to say, you know, trying to, to talk him down and everything. And they finally get a call from a guy who says, you know what? I'll do it. I'll buy it for $20,000. I'm like, cool. That's amazing. So the guy that's going to buy it is a, a local guy who goes to the restaurant a lot. And when he goes to actually pick up the bottle, instead of having a check for $20,000, it's for $40,000. $40,000. I mean, I think it's kind of wacky. You're going to pay $40,000 for some alcohol, but it's the sentiment of the story. I guess he's a collector or something. So it's either way. It's a good story. It should make you feel good. There's good people out there right now. <laughs> okay. And I got to play this for you because it's really funny. At the end of the show, we do uh, made me laugh at stuff that I see online. And um, I think you're going to be able to appreciate this, especially if you're working from home right now. I've had the hardest problem this week with my internet and I don't know, I think it's actually my laptop that's messing up, but it's it'll like drive you crazy. And you have to like go in there and like unplug the router and then restart this. And I've got like the fiber. So it, then I got to undo the fiber box and restart that. Wait 10 seconds, restart my computer. It's a pain in the ass. So this guy named uncle Rob's got some internet tips for you. If, uh, if your internet is down, it's got the F word, by the way, fast forward 30 seconds. If you don't want to hear this tech tips with uncle Rob today, I'm going to show you how to fix your broken internet. First, Unplug your router. Then, wait five seconds. 
Then plug it back in. Then unplug it again. Then plug it back in. Then fill a 55 gallon drum with gasoline. Then throw your router in the barrel. Then plug the router into a car battery. Then call Comcast and tell them to fuck off. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Okay, that's it for today. I love you. I do. Thank you so much for being here. Don't forget to dad, this week is tell a friend week. All I'm asking you is to text this to one friend, this podcast. Maybe not this episode, maybe your favorite episode so far. Just text to one friend and say, hey, check out this podcast. Remember the guy from Channel 933? Or hey, I found this podcast and it makes me feel motivational. Or maybe there's a topic that you think somebody here could use. You actually, you know, really appreciate right now. All I'm asking this week is that you text one friend this podcast. We're trying to grow this thing, man. I'm trying to make it big. Uh, so I really appreciate that. Like and subscribe. And what else do you do on these things? Leave reviews. Leave a five-star review. I'd love that too. And I will see you tomorrow. Goodbye. Hi, Steven. I'm in Kramer. <laughs> um, this is Blakely from Jacksonville, Florida. You know me from Georgia Southern. Can you say hi, Steve? Hi, Steven. <laughs> I am not your mother's friend or your parent's friend calling and I'm your friend and I'm saying I am so grateful you're doing this it brings me so much joy during these times please keep it up you're doing fantastic I know you've had some hard times but better things are coming and I feel like it has to do with this podcast and you're doing great so all the way from the south keep it rocking keep going hope you come back to the south soon we can hang until then Daisy and I will keep cheering you on say go Kramer nope okay <laughs> bye <laughs> Hi, Kramer. My name is Anna. I'm calling from Chula Vista. Uh, during this time, I'm still working. I am part of an essential workforce, so I'm really busy, but still needing a little bit of uplifting and light information during this time, which is why I've been checking you out. was a listener of 933. Really missed when you stopped um, being part of the show. Changed the entire dynamics, by the way. And so I'm so happy that you did go ahead with the podcast, listening every day. Sometimes if I don't get a chance to listen the same day, I'll catch up the next day. Keep it up. Love your mom. She's amazing. And I just love hearing her quotes, hearing even just when she's feeling a little bit unsure. I mean, it's just good to hear both of you even during vulnerable times. So... We're all in this together. Thanks. Bye. Okay, that's it for today. Thanks for listening to my son's podcast, Certified Mama's Boy. Be sure to review and subscribe and tell your friends. Love you forever. 